It takes more than producing technical debt at 10x the rate to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 254. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers of all rates, from 1 to 10. (laughs) (laughs) We cover the full range. (laughs) We're a full spectrum advice show. Yeah. And what that rate is, like the number is clear, but the the thing you're producing at that rate is is left as an exercise to the listener. Yeah, at your discretion. Maybe it's docs. Maybe right? it's bugs. Maybe it's office gossip. Yeah, maybe office gossip. Yeah, that'd be good. Maybe it's uh like team reshuffles. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's layoffs. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's stories that people remember. Yeah. <laughs> not not user stories, but actual stories. <laughs> Remember that time, okay. Jameson? <laughs> I remember Jameson's stories at a rate of 10 times the normal developer. <laughs> he is a 10x developer. Yes. And that's how you know. Uh, I'm going to thank our patrons. Thank you so much to the folks who donate at the level that we shout them out every single week. Thank you to Monkey Face Emoji. I forgot how to pronounce this yep, one, but that's, that's it. what it is. <laughs> Jonathan King, testingisdocumentation.org, Adrian Bordink. Roman Denisov, Fizzbuzz Influencer, Oladapo Fadye, Kiaran Sveinson, Ragnar Hardison, Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Dennis Bogdanov, Braden Kane, Stephen Armanley, John Grant, Taras Haruk, Chris Hogan, The Agile Ventures Charity, Nick Kantar, and Philip John Basile. Thank you to those people and the people who have in the past supported the show and who will yet in the future support the show, and to the people who have in the past who have stopped and will start again (laughs) in the future. Hold on. Have we covered everything in the truth table here? What about those that have stopped but did in the past and won't in the future? I mean, we have three bits here, so there's a, there's actually eight options that we need to go through. Oh, I I only program in high-level languages. So <laughs> those words are meaningless to me. <laughs> um, I make objects, not bits. <laughs> <laughs> there are no bits in my software. <laughs> yeah, I reinvent binary arithmetic with lots of abstractions on top of it with high level high level constructs yeah yeah i make a bit object if you contribute to the show by going to softskills.audio and clicking support us on patreon then you'll get an invite to our slack team which i always say it's great and i need a new adjective it's stupendous phenomenal that's my dad's favorite adjective oh really yep he loves it Uh uh-huh if you ask him how he's doing he's doing phenomenally interesting is he interested in phenomenology I don't know what that is. Is that the phenomena (laughs) song? (laughs) (laughs) The study of structures of consciousness as experienced from the first person point of view. I would say yes, but not to the amount that he says the word phenomenal. Okay. (laughs) He's less interested in (laughs) phenomenology and more interested in just saying phenomenal. Yes. Okay, got it. Good. Yeah, but anyways, join this phenomenal group. Yeah. We appreciate it very much. Thank you. All right. Shall I read our first question? Mm -hmm. This comes from an anonymous listener who says, Hi, I just listened to your most recent podcast, and you mentioned having gone to hand therapy for what I assume is something like repetitive strain injury. It would be great if you could talk about this. I assume lots of engineers have issues with aching arms and hands. Or, to phrase it as a question... My hands often ache after coding for hours. I can no longer work in bed on a laptop or my hands ache for a few days. What did you find out at hand therapy? Cheers. Hand therapy made my brain think of like hand 
boarding school or like hand reform school. <laughs> and then I thought of like your hand can only make obscene gestures and it has to go. Has to go to, to a hand therapist camp. <laughs> yeah, go to yeah. Hand. Uh, what's the word? Um, like cotillion or like a behavior school. What do they call those? Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. They're all. They all sound kind of horrible. Yeah. <laughs> if you're famous and you go to one, then you get to write a memoir about how it ruined your life afterwards, basically. Yeah. And if you're not famous and you go to one, you could get famous for oh. writing a memoir about how it ruined your life. It's called hand finishing school. That's what finishing that's school. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. It maybe it helps you gesture eloquently. Yeah. So you know lots about this. I know nothing about this. I'm ready to just sit back and and listen. I am an expert in hand pain, but you've got you've had other body pains too, right? Yeah, that's true. I have had some back pain. That's mostly been self-inflicted from either. Okay, I'm gonna sit down like I sit probably an hour a day. My butt is as far off the edge of the chair as is possible, <laughs> and my back is at maybe a like a a 45 degree angle with the chair. Okay, and my neck is at a 90 degree angle, or like, like vert- your neck is straight vertical? up against the chair. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, I I will spend an hour or more a day in this position. Your body makes like a like a wicked Z shape. In your chair. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And someday it's going to kill me. I know. <laughs> you, one, day, one day you're going to stand up and you literally can't change the shape of your neck and back from that position. Yeah. But it will have been worth it because think of all the code. Mm. Yeah, it, it is like my hunker down and get stuff done position okay. sometimes. <laughs> I just got to think really hard by contorting myself in this horribly painful way. That's right. Clearly, clearly your brain. Well, I, you know what's happening here is you're cutting off blood flow to all the other organs in your body ex- <laughs> except your brain. Eliminate the non-essentials like my digestive system, yeah. <laughs> <and> my heart. <laughs> exactly. My heart. all that blood straight to the brain. Well, I guess it can't cut the heart off because, well, well you, only anyways. Need, you only need half your circulatory system and that's the half that goes to your brain. Yeah, we need the lungs and the heart. Those parts only send blood to the brain and right. the legs and arms. And <laughs> they can all just everything die. Everything else can die. Yeah. Uh, and that's how I produce my greatest work. <laughs> <laughs> so the worst uh, like repetitive stress-related pain I've ever had is when I played a lot of Dota. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like two to three hours a day. This was several years ago when I was much less wise uh, and, and better at video games. Yeah. <laughs> Are those things on a on a trade-off continuum where they they are like inversely related? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, probably. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I I would finish a game and notice, oh, I have this agonizing pain in my like upper back. And then I would start again and it would disappear ah. as I would try to slay the bad guys. But you and... found the treatment apparently. Yeah, it's play more video games so that I don't <laughs> notice it. And then the next day when I sit down at work, be in unbearable pain. <laughs> Apparently, your work doesn't provide you with a dopamine response that video games do. No, it does not. It doesn't hide the pain as well. I it, I think it was something to do with like how tense I was sitting while I was playing. And when I stopped playing and spent even more time sitting in front of the computer, it seemed to go away. Mm. Uh, so that's my tip. Spend even more time in front of the computer. <laughs> Sit like a Z. Like the other a- thing I've hurt my back on is uh, exercise, which is supposed to help you. But I was betrayed by... 
I foolishly thought I would only be helped by trying to lift way more than I possibly could. And right. <laughs> then it hurt a little bit. And I thought, that's weird. Better keep going. And Just got to push through. <laughs> yeah. It turns out it hurt way more. Yeah. There's a theme here because the only time I felt good when my back was really hurt was when I was sitting down working. Like oh. standing up hurt, laying down hurt, sitting on my computer in a Z shape did not hurt very badly. So... Um, I think my my hot tips are <laughs> just sit down longer, <laughs> don't exercise, okay, because you could hurt yourself, and yeah, and then it'll be good. Okay, now I'm just wondering, like, if we lost every single one of our twenty something audience members. <laughs> oh, this show is two old guys talking about body pain. Yeah, from things that well, shouldn't actually, hurt. That's, that's the other secret tip: it's be young. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> For most people. That's right. I'll write that one down. Okay. Stop getting old. Yeah. Be in your 20s and then... This is perfect because it really, it aligns so well with our other philosophy, which is called no bugs driven development. Yeah. Where <laughs> just don't write bugs and yeah. don't age. Revolutionary physical therapy methodology of be young <laughs> and healthy. It's perfect. Okay. I mean, that's good advice. Let me tell you about my problems. Okay, tell me. It all started on one late evening, sitting on my MacBook Pro, with my palms pressed deep into the cold aluminum, the rough edge of the corner of the MacBook Pro digging into my skin. You were wrenching those bits out of the ether, like you had to get a good firm stance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what I found, though, was the tighter you squeeze, the more the bits just slip through your fingers. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, hunkered down, hunched over my laptop screen, no exterior monitor. I remember it was a Christmas break. So, you know, it was like the holiday season in the U.S. between Christmas and New Year's. And I just wanted to get ahead on some things. So I did a bunch of late nights hunkered over my computer. I spent a bunch of time laying in bed. And the bed position is like the prone Z, but it's more, I guess it's more like a W where it's like laying on your back, neck and head propped up unnaturally with pillows so you can look forward with hands kind of like a T-Rex you know, like <laughs> squished up to your chest and just barely poking out from the front of your sternum uh, with yeah. your laptop sitting on your stomach and chest and propped up with a pillow behind it. To keep you warm. Oh, yeah, for sure. And just typing in this totally natural ergonomic position. <laughs> As our caveman ancestors yes. hunted on the plains. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the way the body was designed. It's like paleo coding. <laughs> Anyway, and then what you learn in this position is that it's comfortable. It feels good. And then as long as you never ask your body to leave this position, you're fine. <laughs> what I found was in doing this, so I had neck pain, back pain, but mostly hand pain from just spending too much time with my hands just on this laptop. And you know that these laptops have straight keyboards. And so and they're close together so like by, I mean, your hands can become close together is what I mean. So what ends up happening is you're contorting your wrists outward while bringing them, your hands close together. And typing like that for long periods of time jacked my wrists up. And it got so bad that I would be laying in bed at night and my palm would just have this shooting pain that would wake me up in the middle of the night. Like it was, it was pretty severe. And here's what I learned. If you have hand pain like this for about five years straight so badly that it wakes you up at night, one strategy for dealing with it is just to ignore it, and that pain will never go away. <laughs> Maybe by year six. Yeah, I know. Magic I didn't, year. I did stop testing at year five, so I don't know. Maybe it's like a halting problem, right? Like eventually, the pain may go away. Yeah, that's true. 
but you don't know. So anyway, that was the dumbest. That was just dumb. <sighs> I'm waiting for the. Red- you're like, and there's an there's an and <laughs> coming, <laughs> right? I got. I kind of just got nostalgic, and I'm just sitting here looking at the palms of my hands and wondering why. I did that to myself. Anyway, so I did eventually go see a therapist, like an occupational therapy therapist who treats repetitive stress injuries. And this, of course, is painful because you have to go to your regular doctor and tell them that your hands hurt really bad. And then they'll write you a note that says you can now go see this special doctor that you can go tell that your hands hurt really bad. And then that special doctor will look at your hands and say, show me how you use your computer. And I'll be like, okay. I opened up a computer, put my hands on it. And she was like, oh boy. (laughs) you're doing this all wrong (laughs) and literally she goes okay take your palms well did you take offense at that and and show her the code that you'd written (laughs) excuse me (laughs) look how fast this is (laughs) (laughs) have you seen how how good my code can reverse a string like do you even know what fizzbuzz is huh i don't come in and tell you that you're prescribing medication all wrong (laughs) (laughs) so she goes she literally walks over and goes hmm and she just says why don't you take your palms up off the laptop and have them kind of float in the air and type that way and i was like well i just wasted a whole copay on (laughs) 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 you know sure enough that's all it was i just had to take my palms up into the air so that instead of resting my palms on the cold aluminum of the macbook pro I just need to float them in the air so that my fingertips are touching and nothing else. And it fixed it. It was that simple. Five years of pain and all fixed. I I think there is a pretty wide spectrum, though, of some stuff like that where it's very clearly you're doing this simple thing wrong. And then there are some much more complicated issues, some of which are maybe underlying health conditions. Some of it are, I don't know, maybe your body is just shaped in a way that that is worse for sitting at a desk all day or something. So... That's why doctors exist, so you can go ask them about that stuff. But I have a another example. There's a great talk on YouTube called Voice-Driven Development by this engineer who codes completely with her voice, and I believe it was because of repetitive stress injury, hand pain, and, mm-hmm. and I think she was unable to solve it or make it go away completely, and her way around this was just totally optimize her workflow to a very impressive degree so that she can be effective at manipulating code just by talking. And I encourage you to watch it, even if you don't care at all about, even if you're still in your 20s yeah. and pain <laughs> exactly. from sitting down is a exactly just a, a myth that old people tell you. Um, That's right. <laughs> it's pretty wild. So there's a lot of solutions, some of which are like, fix the problem with your body sometimes that's hard to do or or you don't know what the problem is and yeah you can go further we'll link it in the show notes it's a really good talk yeah i remember watching that that was really cool i wonder if by using your voice you could contort your body into even more unnatural positions because now your hands oh. don't have to be in front of you yeah okay so you could you could like this would be good because often when i'm programming i feel the urge to huddle into the fetal position but that does make it hard to type <laughs> But now, perfect. <laughs> I can <laughs> finally do it. <laughs> now you can do fetal-driven development. Yeah, that's true. Neonatal coding. Yeah. So that's not super helpful advice. Besides, I, I guess I'm saying it can get way worse than what you described, Dave. And right. maybe you have to give up using your hands completely. I don't know. That feels like a downer when I say it that way. The boring stuff that I don't do. I mean, just be healthy, right? Like exercise and yeah, walk around. 
that's what I was going to say next is that, that there came a point in my life where exercise, the pain of not exercising exceeded the pain of exercising. <laughs> <laughs> so now I exercise regularly because if I don't, it hurts really bad. And yeah. I think that I think that day probably comes for many people. And sometimes they can mask the pain with video games, but not always. Play more video games to mask <laughs> the pain. Yeah, RSI is, is no joke, though. I mean, your hands... Moving your workflow completely to voice-driven development is a pretty pretty big change and I'm sure has some short-term productivity hits at least if not long-term so if you can solve the underlying problem by preventing it that's probably worth investing some time Definitely. in your, your hands make you a lot of money if you're a developer so. that's true and that that was my biggest fear when I was laying in bed at night with this severe hand pain I was like oh my gosh like this is my livelihood it kind of hit me for the first time in my life that I might not be able to do my job because we yeah there's very little that can stop a programmer from doing their job. <laughs> you know, it's not like the NFL where you, you know, you might blow out a knee in one game and your career's over. The yeah. risks aren't like that, but it can. It, it, oh, it was it was stressful. But I guess my only real advice is don't put up with pain for long periods of time because I think the vast majority of repetitive stress pain is fixable with the right with the right techniques. It probably gets worse the longer you put up with it too, right? Yeah. Like there's a possibility you're doing more and more damage if you right. stick with it longer. There's this thing I'm doing in my life that's causing me pain. And I think if I just keep doing it, maybe the pain will go away. That was my strategy for five years. That's sort of like the startup narrative though, right? You just got to push, <laughs> yeah. work harder and and be driven to, to move through the obstacles. Next thing you know, you're Theranos. <laughs> it all started when she had some repetitive stress pain in her hands and thought, yeah. wouldn't a fake blood test helps yes. solve this. <laughs> I'll go call my venture capital friends right now. All right. Well, have we answered that question definitively? Oh, and by the way, we uh, we should we should clarify: we are not doctors, but we are space doctors. Mm -hmm. Once you leave low Earth orbit, then uh, then we can help you out. Yep. It turns out contorting yourself into a Z shape is the cure in space. <laughs> Which is why you were so confused. Due to why it wasn't cosmic working. rays and yeah, things things that are complicated and that I can't say because they're so complicated. Right. Um, I'm going <laughs> to read the next question. Okay. This is from another anonymous listener. I am at a large non-Fang tech company. Non-Fang is non-Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, and sometimes Microsoft gets smushed in there. Yeah. Even though it's not part of the acronym. Microsoft Anyways. is like the... The silent Y. The silent M. <laughs> the, si yeah, the silent M in Fang. <laughs> yeah. We have salary levels slash bands. My entire team was laid off, and I was offered a job that is three bands higher with another team. They said usually they would not hire someone of my level, but since they had worked with me before and I was a heavy individual contributor, they were willing to interview me for this senior position. By the end of the process, they decided I was the most qualified candidate and offered me the job. They don't want to increase my level at all. Oops. This is displeasing to me. <laughs> yes. I was the most qualified candidate. Why not offer me the higher level as well? If an external candidate was the most qualified, they would have offered that person the higher level. Unfortunately, I believe that since I did not negotiate on my initial offer when entering the company, my perceived worth is tied to my compensation and low seniority level. How do I broach that I think this is unfair or that they should increase my salary? As additional information, I was given a raise by the previous team's manager of 20K in January as I found out I was the least compensated on the team by 30K. 
and I got upset at my boss because only about half the team had ever made a commit to any repo, and most have no understanding of OOP, which stands for Object Oriented Programming. Perhaps this is why the team was cut. <laughs> I feel my company might find it weird to see my salary increase twice in one year and reject for that reason. I feel you're going to tell me to quit and find another job. <laughs> well, well, come on. How presumptuous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, uh, keep going. I've worked with a new team and can attest that they are kind, smart, have good engineering practices, and have and are given a lot of attention because they do AI. So it's not an opportunity I want to miss out on. Thanks. Love your show. It's like car talk for the 21st century. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you can say anything and then say it's like car talk for the 21st century and we'll probably read your question. <laughs> yes, that's probably true. That was one of our models, honestly. So it worked, I guess. Finally. Finally. Yeah, there's a lot here. There is a lot here. Oh, man. My mind is swirling with all the big company dysfunction that went on to make this situation come to be. A team where half of the people have never made a commit. I mean, I'm assuming that that's bad because their job is to write code. If they're not yeah. developers, then that's probably okay. But right. uh, that would explain partially why they were laid off. Have no understanding of OOP. I can guarantee you that's not why they were laid off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let this be a lesson, though. To always learn object-oriented programming or else you're the first on the chopping block when layoffs come. Yeah. I mean, maybe that contributed to it, but the manager or whoever made this decision did not think, who knows the least about OOP in this yeah. org? I'm going to divide you all into two rooms, imperative functional programming and object-oriented programming. <laughs> <laughs> if it means they don't know how to build software, then that could be part of why they don't write commits ever. But Yeah, that's the bigger one yeah. to me. Like, oh, we hired you to write code and build this application and you haven't done it? Well... Not sure what I'm paying you for. Yep. Hmm. Here's what I theorize happened here. The team was laid off. You were kept for some reason, probably because you listened to this podcast. <laughs> 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 Sorry, that was just too funny. It's <laughs> like the dumbest thing I've ever said. Okay, you were kept and they found a position for you that they thought would be a good fit, but it was three pay bands higher than your current band. That can double your compensation, by the way, depending on yeah. levels. Like, that's a pretty big jump. Yeah, three three levels is huge, especially at a big company. Although, it depends. There are some companies like like Microsoft that has like, they have like 60 levels or something. So, yeah. it could be that three is actually only like 2% of the, <laughs> of the band. I think in my company, there are 10 levels. Yeah. And I've never talked to anybody in the top two levels. So, effectively, there are eight and I've also never talked to anybody in the bottom two levels. Yeah. So there really are six. <laughs> so yeah, three levels is like halfway through the the practical band or yeah. practical range. Yeah. It's like the entire known universe as far as you're concerned. Yeah, basically. I mean, halfway through the entire known universe. Anyway, that's exactly the reaction I had because at the big mega co I worked at, it was the same kind of thing. There were 12 levels, but functionally there were like seven for engineers. And maybe even less. If I moved up three levels, I would be a person that I currently have never talked to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would enter this fabled realm of yes. <laughs> people who only exist in the abstract. So, <laughs> figure figureheads on a corporate directory and yeah. sometimes email, but whose voices are unknown and unknowable. Yep. There would be an email sent out from the CEO saying, 
we have hired this person into this new role. Yes. That's how you know you've achieved the the heights. Yes. So, so I think we should probably assume that three levels here is not the same three levels that you and I are calibrated on because that's wild. Yeah. I mean, maybe there was an opening for that level mm-hmm. and then they couldn't fill it with someone at that level. I don't know. There, There is something weird going on here, though, because that is confusing. Yeah. They currently still have a job at their team where everyone else was laid off, right? You're now a team of one? Is that what's going on? Or I don't know. Were they laid off as well, and this is their chance to like stay at the company? I think that. I think that's what's happening. Yeah. If that's the case, then you have very little power to negotiate. You can ask, and they can say no, and then you can say, well, I still want to keep working. So so I accept. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I accept your, the thing that I previously said was unacceptable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if this is like like get laid off or work in this role then then you can all all you can do is ask and yeah be prepared to hear a no so what what i would like to focus on is when you ask what do you say to make this more likely to come down the way you want and first of all i i'm latching onto a word that was in the question which was the word is unfair how do i broach that i think this is unfair hmm I would never broach a conversation like this by saying it's unfair because I don't think your company or most companies for that matter care if something is fair or unfair. There are exceptions to that rule. We're seeing a lot of motion in fairness in certain realms, but I'm I'm guessing this doesn't apply to you. Often unfair means like good value for the company too. Yes, that's right. So <laughs> that's right. So you're exactly. So you're now labeling something that they consider to be good as bad so that's where you need to get aligned is you need to produce alignment on the value they're getting for the cost and speak that language instead of saying well this seems unfair to me and they're like well this seems great to me (laughs) so let's (laughs) (laughs) let's find something that seems great to both of us and yeah this is this is what negotiation is all about is understanding what's motivating them and of course what's motivating them is to try to extract as much value from you as they can while paying as little as they can and that's that's fine i mean that's what that's what we all do all the time when we're doing everything and that's why i have no friends (laughs) (laughs) the instant my utility to dave drops below the threshold gone you're you're on you're on the street you're on the curb oh yeah you'll know because that'll (laughs) the last episode before that will have will be the last episode ever yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is how you know I'm a good person because at those casual fast food restaurants where they don't do anything but they still ask you for a tip, I still tip them. <laughs> I don't think about the world this way, Dave. You are so good. I know. Everything about you is good. It's amazing. <laughs> yep. Okay, so the way that I would approach this negotiation and understand everything is negotiable, even at Mega Co's, it just is a matter of how high up the ladder you're going to have to go to get someone to put their name next to a a checkbox to say that they've signed off on it. Mm-hmm. What you need to figure out is what do they have to lose? I mean, if you decide not to take this opportunity, but you are the most qualified position, they're going to have to fall back to someone else. And odds are, based on your description, that that someone else is more expensive. And so the way that I would couch this is I would say, how much would you be willing to pay someone else who comes and do this job? And there's an answer for that. And you could say, well, I want to get there or I want to get halfway there or I want to plan to get there in the next six months. That's how I would approach it. Hmm. That makes sense. And I would not use the word unfair. I mean, what if they say the amount that we are paying you right now? 
Oh, and then you find out that that's what. <laughs> then I think maybe you need to go study your HR guideline because it sounds like maybe you don't quite have an understanding of how the system works here at this company. Yeah. Do you think it's worth digging into the the levels thing of of you were you had an opening that was much higher level than than the role you're offering me and and I think I'm qualified for that. I have found that big companies and I, and I imagine Jameson you've had the same experience. Moving levels is much harder than adjusting your pay especially since a lot of these levels will have overlapping pay bands anyway. Yeah. And the reason it's hard is because when a crowd of people see that you've skipped two levels, they will become upset and that will create more work for management. I mean, maybe it's not skip two levels, but what if you what if you bump up one level? Yeah. Yeah. This doesn't have to be all or nothing, right? Yeah. I like that. You're totally right that sometimes there are carry-on effects from from promoting someone and some of them are good and some of them to the manager are bad, which is like, there's going to be, I have to explain a bunch of times why, because mm-hmm. this person got promoted, that doesn't mean that this other person gets promoted. And so, yeah, there is a lot of calculation, unfortunately, beyond just, are they doing the work that qualifies them for it? It's like, what is this going to do to the perception of this level at the organization? And, and like, what expectations will it set? And exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Managers worry about that stuff. Yeah. And and at a large company, those worries are multiplied by a, a large factor because it's not just one person who might be upset. It might be a thousand people. Yeah. Well, so far, I still like your advice the best, Dave. It seems like they don't perceive your value the same way you do. So you need to demonstrate to them why that is different. If they can tell you, here's what we would pay to hire someone besides you, then they're probably very nice or not very ruthless or I don't know. I'd be surprised if they just said, well... Yeah. We'll pay you X, but really we would be willing to pay someone X plus 20%. Yeah. And then you say, please give me that instead. That yeah. doesn't, I don't know. Most companies this size don't reveal those numbers anyway by policy. Yeah. So what do you do if, if you can't get that information that directly? Well, then that's when you take our second most popular advice, which is break into the HR department, get past the ninjas who guard the secret filing cabinet that has all the pay bands in it under the cover of night, and then figure out what it is through those means yeah that takes years of uh training and then just tell them <laughs> i just know that the pay band is this yeah <laughs> no, but do like, not what? question how i know that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> many good soldiers gave their lives for me to get this information <laughs> huh i feel a company might think it's weird to increase my salary twice in one year i don't know that they'll think it any i mean i think you should just look at it case by case and ignore the fact that you already got a salary increase this year yeah because that sounds like it was a salary increase not a level change and if you treat this as i think i'm qualified for the next level up not three levels up necessarily or at all then that's a different conversation level changes at least in my experience have these automatic salary increases that don't have much to do with what your previous salary increases have been yeah that's true sort of right i mean well, yeah, I don't know. I guess if you're like a, an outlier where you're yeah. way above or at the very top end of a pay band at one level, then maybe it won't bump you much. But it sounds like if if this person truly was, as they say, brought in lower than expected because they didn't negotiate, then you might have a lot of wiggle room in your level to get your pay increase. And at the end of the day, that's probably what this person wants, just based on the question. Yeah. You know, the level is nice to have, but if it's <laughs> if you get the level increase but not the pay increase, what's the point? So yeah, I would say you probably have some room for negotiation within your level. 
And the t- another takeaway for me is always negotiate when you're applying yeah. for a job. Don't just take the first offer. It's so worth it. We we need to link Patrick McKenzie's article once again here because here we are again with someone who didn't negotiate. So I'm just going to go ahead and click on that, put it in the show notes. Okay. We need a keyboard shortcut that does that. <laughs> uh, well, have we answered the question, Dave? I think so. Good luck. Fun conversation. Exciting conversation. You can spend the weekend fretting about it and then go in on Monday. And tell us what happened. We'd love to hear. What can people do if they want to ask their own questions, Dave? Go to softskills.audio and click ask a question where you can fill out our form. And we just want to say thank you to the so many people who do that every week. We really appreciate all your questions. And we promise to answer them all one day. All right. Catch you next week. Bye.